from Broadcast Amsterdam. This is Streets of Fire. Welcome to Streets of Fire, the only show in the Netherlands devoted to the local music scene. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. I first saw the band After Parties at Rotown in Rotterdam back in April, at one of the shows to promote their latest album. I was immediately struck by the power of the band and their ability to connect with the crowd, not just through the quality of their songs, but also through the antics of their high-energy lead singer, Neek Nellen. This week on the show, I'll be speaking to Neek about the origins of the band and why their attitude on performing doesn't change if there are five people in the crowd or 5,000. We taped this interview earlier this month, right before After Party's gig opening for Hyderosis at Paradiso. Joining me now on the phone is Nick Nellen, lead singer of After Parties from the town of Horst an de Maas in the province of Limburg. Their third album, Family Names, came out back in March. They're performing at OJC Genosha in Aston on October 29th. So welcome to Streets of Fire. Really appreciate you being here. Uh, yeah. Your band's bio describes Limburg, the province you're from, as the sunshine state of the Netherlands, so the California of the Netherlands. Is that where <laughs> you yourself grew up, is around there? Yeah, um, every band member uh, grew up in or around Horst. Um, and Horst is like uh, for the non-Dutchies listening, uh, the, the penisy part of the Netherlands, the dangly <laughs> part at the, at the bottom. Um, and when, back when we were writing that bio, uh, we were like, okay, let's, let's, make, let's make our province more appealing than it actually is. <laughs> and we fluffed it up a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Limburg is a nice province, but the part we come from is like a typical like agrarian flat part of the Netherlands like the 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 very southern part of the Netherlands is the most beautiful i think that has all the hills and uh, and stuff but horse is a nice town uh, we we were all born there uh, except for our bassist he's from Meldersloo that's a, a little village a couple of kilometers away and uh, we were all friends before we started the band uh, the guitarist is uh, my uh, little brother um, and the uh, other guitarist is my cousin, and we've known each other for uh, yeah almost our entire life. And uh, the drummer and the uh, other uh, the bass player we've known since like high school. So uh, before before we even started after parties, we were friends for like ten fifteen years. And so there, there's five members of the band, right? We we always used to be a, a five uh, piece uh, band. Um, but earlier this year, um, my little brother, uh, Boss, the guitarist, uh, he and his girlfriend were expecting a, a baby. And um, the baby was supposed to arrive around uh, the release of our album. So, uh, yeah, we started planning ahead just in case the baby, you know, was uh, born around the release date that we had a backup guitarist. And that's Bram, uh, the, yeah, the third guitarist at the moment. Um, and so we rehearsed all the songs to fill in for Boss. But then the baby was born a couple of weeks uh, before, uh, healthy and well, so everyone happy. And Boss could 
yeah still play the release shows but we yeah we were feeling bad to tell bram like you can't play now we did all this work and we were like yeah it's gonna be super cool to play with three guitarists uh so bram just yeah filled in during the release shows but then uh bram uh bram was uh, playing those uh, release shows and then uh, we had so much fun with uh, bram that we asked him to do uh yeah just uh, the rest of the shows that we had planned for the year and then uh, like a couple of weeks ago we asked him to become a full-time member of the band because uh, yeah we had so much yeah it's just like good to have Bram with the band that's great so you you heard it here on Streets of Fire those photos that you see when you google after parties that have five members are wrong there need to be new <laughs> New press shots, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a mysterious new band member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he's just like the Invisible Man or something. He's there. He's but just it, really hard to see. Yeah. He's far back in the distance. But it's nice having uh, Bram with the band because uh, not only is he like a super good guitarist, probably better than the other two guitarists. <laughs> Sorry, Shores and Boss. He's uh, like super good. Uh, but he is also a friend. I've I've lived with Bram for two years, and uh, when before I moved in with my girlfriend, and we've we, we've known each other for like twenty years. So <laughs> it was just like another friend added to the band. Do you think that that is in part from coming from a small town? You kind of end up, you know, jamming with your friends. Um, yeah, it's weird because Horst has a very. Uh, very active music scene there's like a lot of bands in host oh. not all of them not all of them like playing big dutch venues but um back in the day when we grew up there were like 30 40 bands in host and the mass in the, oh. of all from all kinds of villages of course the hydroisjes come from host but there's a lot of like smaller bands super cool bands uh, so it's pretty active so a lot of my friends also in our friend group are or were active in bands so there was always like a lot of guitarists and drummers and bass players around. And that is, is that why you're opening for, for them at the Paradiso? Uh, yeah, it's weird because Heiderosius uh, uh, were, of course, uh, and still are a big punk band in the Netherlands. Uh, and they come from our, our village. They come from Horst. Uh, so when we were young, um, we were a fan of the Heiderosius, but... For example, my father knew Marco, the singer, pretty well. And um, we started my first band together with Boss and Shoss was a hydrocious playback band. We played back on like wooden instruments and played for our grandma and stuff. And uh, we actually had like real gigs because our dad booked us in like a bar. And then we played during uh, like Sinterklaas, like the holiday. And we actually got to open for the hydrocious once when they like played their instruments and we play back their music in front of like 1500 people when we were like 10. How does their fans usually react to their music? Is this the first time you've been on the same bill as them or, or, or you know, I mean, after parties is oh. a different sound to be sure. They, they strike me as sort of a rancid type of punk yeah, rock, yeah. Uh, the band, not the adjective. Yeah, yeah. They're more in like this vein of old school punk pop punk kind of stuff like yeah. the 90s punk that like i grew up with um but i think that our music is more or more like inspired by even the older music like the 70s 80s power pop kind of stuff like the garage kind of stuff but we've actually played uh, with hydrocious once or twice before we've opened for them and it's like 
opening for that crowd, of course, still just like waiting to party to the Heidroosje songs. But there, yeah, it's a nice, it's a friendly crowd, so it's always nice to open for them. Yeah, an opening gig can yeah be a great thing or it can be a, a dicey thing. Yeah, opening opening for a band is always like, is the crowd gonna be like? totally uninterested and <laughs> waiting for the headliner or are they like pretty open to seeing new stuff uh it's it, it differs we, we've done like a couple of massive shows in support of craft club a very big band in germany and we played for like six thousand six thousand seven thousand people venues and people were just like so nice and enthusiastic it was really nice to open for them uh, but German crowds are a bit different than Dutch crowds, I think. And you're the singer, and you're a very like active frontman, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Do you have a philosophy going into a live show, uh, and and does it change if you're playing to your crowd, like the show I saw, versus what you're just describing, playing in Germany to six or seven thousand people that probably haven't heard your music. I don't really have like a pen down philosophy or anything. I was just like, I grew up uh, like fascinated by, or I don't know if I've ever been like really fascinated by frontman, but I really liked uh, Howling Pelle Amqvist, the frontman of the, the Hives. Mm. Uh, and I always thought like uh, young Julian Casablancas was really cool, but his, his style is more like the, the distant, like mysterious kind of dude. Um, and um, I don't know, like when, when we're playing, I do tend to like I do, I don't I don't really care if I'm in front of six thousand people or like five because six thousand people is way easier than like five. <laughs> five is fucking hard uh, because everyone like when you're in a crowd of six thousand people you're anonymous like no one no one like has a feeling like of unease but when you're in a venue with like five or ten people people know that you know that <laughs> there's not a lot of people and you know that they know that you know and shit gets really uncomfortable but then I, then we always like try to give it our all and like like make it a fun evening anyway and that also works with like a hundred people you're right when you're not getting any energy back that is uh can be really intimidating yeah. Like it's it's the easiest thing to do when you're on a stage and you're not getting any feedback. It's like be like, okay, fuck you then, <laughs> <laughs> fuck this. I'm gonna like watch the clock run out, do the songs, and get out of here. But if you do that, like, it's I I see it as like my job to make it fun. It's not their job to like us. It's my job to make them like us. Right. Like they're 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 just standing there. They they just came with their friends and had a beer. It's like. They don't have that much expectations. And if you like can reach over those like very low expectations, then most of the time people are like, huh, this is fun. And then like then I have the feeling that you've accomplished something. <laughs> but like oft, often like people ask me like uh um like uh how like do you have any tips or and and I find it uh, weird because I can give every band a tip like jump in the air jump in the crowd <laughs> like that would be lame there's a lot of bands who are like super distant and very like almost passive aggressive that i really like because like i don't know bands like ice age or something that'd be really weird if they were like this happy peppy kind of performers i want to go back 
a little bit and talk a little bit about the beginnings of the band because I was wondering, you know, you mentioned like early Strokes and the Hives. Mm -hmm. Were there other bands that you were listening to or talking about when you first started jamming? And this is about maybe 10 years ago we're talking about? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm 30 right now. Uh, the rest of the band is also around that age. My little brother is two years younger and our drummer is three years older. So around 30. And I guess when we were really young, like in uh, like in uh, kindergarten and stuff, or uh, maybe a bit later, like when we were eight, uh, we, we listened to like Nirvana and Limp Bizkit, like the new metal stuff. And later, like punk became a thing. Uh, our... Um, our guitarist Shaws, his brother was always like giving us new music, um, like all this, you know, metal stuff. And our first band actually also together with Tune, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, was like a metal band, like a new metal band with all these heavy riffs <laughs> and a lot of screaming. Like I was all, like grunting all of the time. Uh, and Detuning we were really the guitars. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a heavy string, like a seven string guitar and stuff. <laughs> and uh, we played, yeah, like this music in the vein of like the, these new metal bands that we now find cheesy, like and then these all these German bands like Caliban and stuff like that. And we played that for a couple of years, and then we started a new band, the Schmucks. That was also with Schoss and Tune. And a friend of mine, uh, we had two singers actually, and it was more like a street punk kind of band. Mm like all these Dutch hardcore street punk bands like Backfire and No Turning Back, stuff like that. We sang all these songs about fighting and drinking whiskey. And I didn't really like whiskey and I've never been in a fight in my life. So it was like this typical teenage like grandstanding, like drink and fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oi, oi, oi. It was really fun, but really stupid. You were playing a character. yeah, yeah, no, nah, it was like I'm 16 and I and I need to write lyrics and it's about about what I don't know things like by bands that I like. Yeah, <laughs> but it was really fun and we played that for a couple of years and then Shaw quit the band and we just like all of us were like, okay, this is it, end of the band. And then a couple of years later, I think After Parties has been around for 10 years now, about. So we started around 2012. Uh, we started to band up again, and we we started writing a bit of songs. Um, and I was the guitarist actually for a, like a month, and then I figured out that I didn't want to play guitar. And then we asked uh, Boss, my little brother, and he was like, "Okay, I'll learn guitar," and he just learned it himself. And then we started making songs, and that's a a, a bit of like the beginning of the band. <laughs> so it's as as like a pretty long run-up history with all these other bands before we started after parties um and then with art of after parties we we basically just started writing like these songs that around that time boss was really into uh, arctic monkeys and the hives and strokes uh me also like all these like indie bands like beach house and stuff like that we started listening to a, a lot more music and uh, the other members in the band like tone was a bit of a metal hat and Jesse, our guitarist, as of a bassist, as like a very, <laughs> very avant-garde, weird. Like he listens to Tiny Tim all the time, stuff like that, and old baroque music. He always has like the weirdest music taste. And then, like from that amalgam of like different stuff, we started writing songs. And I think, like the main, yeah, the main inspiration I think at the beginning was like bands like the Hives and the Strokes. 
And then in 2015, you released the album Glitter Lizard. That was, I assume, that band's first time in the studio, but probably not yours if you had had all those other groups before then, or was it? Uh, no, we've, we, we were, we've been in the studio a bunch of times before we released our first album, <clears throat> and it was always, like, terrible. <laughs> Why was it terrible? I didn't like, uh, I don't know, it was, like, stressful. We didn't know how stuff worked. Our, like, sound, our guitars and stuff were, like, if I remember correctly, all, all kind of crap. And then we we recorded in, like, this guy's basement for like one day like tracked four songs and then he mixed it and that was it like we had 100 euros so it was always like pretty uh yeah i I wouldn't say amateuristic but like very bare bones and we all we weren't that good also in the beginning when we started rehearsing of uh, or recording the first after parties songs on click track stuff yeah that's that shit was terrible (laughs) Like we were very like um, uh, into yeah like we played on intuition or something like that and then we we had to track it like on click track <laughs> that shit sucked. And to clarify for any non musicians who might be listening, and I hope they're, oh, yeah. they're out Good there, one. you know that is a metronome click that that sometimes just the drummer, but usually all members of the band are listening to in your headphones. And yeah, sure, if you're you know <laughs> this may come as a shock to everyone listening, but a lot of bands don't rehearse with a metronome, particularly those that don't have any uh, digital, you know, sort of backing mm-hmm. track or anything that that they need to play along to. And right, you kind of feel out different things, different sections are maybe a little bit faster, different things are a little bit slower. But if you have mm-hmm. that click going, right, you have to commit to one tempo for the whole song. Yeah, yeah, it's like the drummer hears this. and then you have to like drum along and if you're used to it it's pretty pretty easy but if you're not used to it you like try to stay on beat but then you like drift off a bit and you try to get back and it's a a whole shit show (laughs) so in the beginning it was pretty hard like Turner's actually got got him really good at it uh our our current drummer um but in the beginning that stuff is hard but it's always like in the beginning it's with everything it's just with recording, rehearsing, playing shows, getting your shit together as a band, all that stuff is new. And then, yeah, you kind of roll into to it. Same, yeah, with recording. So maybe we should listen to a song from Glitter Lizard by After Parties to give our listeners an idea of you guys uh, struggling through the click track. Although this is a song that I think is really cool. Uh, this is Gucci Ballad from the album oh. Glitter Lizard. <laughs>
and it changed his mind And decided to be kind to another woman's neck and hands I checked this guy, said I know some guys Who just love to pry the hinges of your man's Every time I see you Well, they just wanna know right now How the stars pronounce her name My name is Jesse Lent, and I am interviewing Nick Nellen, lead singer of the band After Parties. Nick, we were just listening to a track from your band's first album. Can you walk us through the songwriting process for the band? Do you write most of the lyrics, or is is it, is the songwriting more uh, of a group effort? I write most of the lyrics, um, and the rest of the songwriting is like a... Uh, most of the songs start with Bas. Bas writes most of the like the, yeah, the the basis of the songs. Uh, yeah, mostly most of the time he has like a, a full song fleshed out. But then we still need to write the riffs and the the beat and a lot of stuff changes from like demo to song. But Bas comes in for our non-music listeners with like a a guitar melody or a bunch of chords. And I like a, a melody for the for the vocals in his head, and then we just like flesh it out uh, while rehearsing, and then most of the time, uh, at the last minute, I write <laughs> lyrics. Sometimes just like just before going into the studio, because basically I suck and <laughs> I like push it to the very last minute and it's terrible i don't know there's a pretty uh, proud tradition of songwriters leaving the lyrics to the last minute i know uh cobain famously wrote most of the lyrics uh for nevermind in the hotel room the day before he had to record the vocals mm-hmm. <laughs> i believe yeah, there's that yeah. that line and i'm on a plane right where one more special message to go then i'm done and i can go home is is about writing all those all those lyrics i know iggy pop and Bowie, certainly Berlin Trilogy era Bowie, would, would wait until the last moment 
uh, Bee Gees yeah, too. Sure. Never, never had lyrics, which which is wild to me. Yeah, so so you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't beat yourself up over it. Neek is what I'm trying to say. But those guys, those guys are sort of like music legends, and it's easy to say in hindsight. Well, they wrote their stuff last minute, and those songs are great. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's a fucking Bowie song, but touche. Uh, in my case, it's just like it's just like, and I love those I love those musicians. But in my case, it's just like some of the times you don't have like a song uh, like. Uh, a story or a, like a lyrical theme fleshed out and then it's just like messing around and you, before you find something I'm not like a, I'm not like a lyricist that has like a very uh, strict story or a theme it's more like a, um, yeah writing around a, like a feeling or a, a something that I find funny and then sometimes it's just like lands at the very last minute and sometimes uh, I, I write a bit together with Buzz the lyrics because Buzz often has a, like a, a bit of a like a, a hook. Sometimes it's just a hook for a song, and then I write write lyrics around it. And Buzz, this is Buzz now, and this is your younger brother, right? And mm-hmm. he yeah. usually plays acoustic guitar on stage, right? Yeah, some of the times. Like the last tour, we uh, incorporate a bit more acoustic guitar because also because we have three guitarists now. And if all of them are like full on blasting distortion guitars, um, it, it's it looks cool and it might produce a wall of sound, but it's not like <laughs> it, it doesn't have the melodic qualities anymore that I think we're always looking for. And I think the like the tone of a, a acoustic guitar is pretty nice, but he actually switched out acoustic guitar again because he can't make up his mind. His mind. <laughs> So then your next album, Life is Easy, comes out in 2018. How was the experience of making that second record different from the first one? Well, the first record we made, uh, Little Lizard, came out in 2015. But already in 2013, we were playing pretty big shows because our first single kind of blew up. And then we got all these offers. And which which single was that? Uh, First, last. That was like the first song that we put out with Jan Koy, legendary record shop owner in Groningen, who sadly passed away last year. He, uh, yeah, he published our first single and started like tweeting about it, and that was like our step up into the like, you know, sort of like a bigger, uh, yeah, bigger scene in the Netherlands. And then already 2013 and 2014, we were playing like Best Kept Secret Festival and uh yeah like uh bigger festivals and venues and we still had to like make our debut album so we we made that in 2014 together with uh, Rob Lomos uh, who produced the first album in Eindhoven uh, Rob still does a lot of like uh production he makes our last record so it was a really fun experience because it's very fun producing with Rob and then for our second album Life is Easy which we uh, recorded in I think like 2016 2017 we flew in uh, Rob Barbedo he's a he's a producer from uh, the states and uh, we um, yeah we wanted to invite him because he did uh, the baby's record uh, the band that Kevin Morby played in before he became <laughs> Kevin Morby <laughs> um, and uh, yeah he was in the fall and he did all these uh, like super cool records that we really liked so we flew him in um, and he pr- he helped us produce the the second album. Well, let's have a listen to first last, so that uh, people know what you're talking about. This is first last, the first breakout single from the after parties, yeah. the band of my guest Meek Nellis.
listen to a song, Neek, off of Life is Easy. This is a great song with a great title, Ultimate Warriors. Now, there is a song title that has not lost its relevance, or a song for that matter. Uh, do you remember what inspired that song? This is 2018, <laughs> I, think... I should remind our listeners, before anyone had heard the words COVID, unless you well, were in the biz. It's definitely not pandemic-related. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about global catastrophes that are like, going to ruin our right if anything the lyrics are kind of about ignoring the news right i think not like it was not not like an in joke but like we're a bunch of uh, guys in a band and uh often when you're doing something together with people people worry or uh, hesitate about certain decisions and we we aren't like a very hesitant band like we just do things like that we feel all right but we we are always like when when someone needs to make a decision we're like okay we'll decide about this next week <laughs> always procrastinating all this stuff and i think a lot of people do that and just like <laughs> it was kind of based on that but maybe also like the the, the life we were living at the, uh, at the moment uh, at the moment a bunch of us have kids and we're like adult life almost well, I was saying pretty young, like around 30. And at that time, we were just like, just done with school and stuff. I think it's a part of your life when you're trying to figure things out. Like, what am I going to uh, be doing the rest of my life? Here's Ultimate Warriors by After Parties from their second record, Life is Easy, on Streets of Fire with Jesse Lent on broadcastamsterdam.nl.
That's Ultimate Warriors from After Parties. I am talking to that band's singer. I think your song choices are pretty fun because uh, Gucci Ballet, you, uh, we, we haven't played that song in like years. And then like a, a couple of weeks ago, we tried playing a bunch of songs we haven't played in a while and we just couldn't do it. <laughs> we forgot everything. Because if you don't play your own songs and you don't, at least I don't listen to my own music regularly. Uh, I sometimes hear it, but I haven't heard these songs maybe like a year or something or two years. <laughs> I, we couldn't play it. It was so fun. Yeah, I mean, even the Stones only have about 30 songs that they go out and tour with, right? 40 maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I, and they wrote like 500 songs. So by the time you get to your 2022 release, uh, Family Names, it seems like there's more of a looseness in the performances in the studio than your work before then. Do you think your process has changed? The the kind of studio situations changed or you've just gotten uh, more used to doing it as, as sort of uh, veterans of the scene by this point? Um, funny you say that. Do you think uh, family name sounds more loose than also life is easy? The production is certainly more expansive. Yeah. But the performances by yeah. you in the band, yeah, they seem more relaxed to me, to my ear anyway. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's has to do with, I think, a couple of reasons. We we were older. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were a band longer. Um, I think also because the songs were a bit different, um, a bit less punchy maybe, a bit more uh, like... Uh, I think a bit, bit more maybe country or rock and roll. And we produced it ourselves. So uh, our guitarist, Schorz, um, he, he came up with the idea to um, yeah, to record it ourselves. We built our own like uh, improv studio in a, in a wooden cabin that uh, belongs to our grandfather. It's like a horse ranch mm-hmm. kind of uh, thing. And then we, we, we rented all this gear, also from Rob uh, Blommers, the producer of our first re- record. And then we just stayed in that cabin for like 10 days and made the made the album and sources source so, dreisen your guitar player yeah 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 and um it was like yeah um he he, he also recorded a couple of bands uh, before uh, our own re- record so we had a bit of uh, experience with uh, producing an album and uh, yeah we did it ourselves and uh it was a very fun process uh Shors never wants to do it again um <laughs> He's proud of the record, but like a while ago, we like asked, we were talking about making the fourth record, and she also was like, "I'm not producing that thing again." <laughs> Too much work, or uh, <laughs> once is enough. Yeah, I think she did an amazing job because it sounds it amazing, does. but it's like you have to like be. He, he, for us as well, from. For example, for me, it was like 10 days of like singing a bunch of vocal takes and then like chilling. For Schultz, it was 10 days of like gru- grueling work that she had almost like ended the boy. Uh, but like um, we were very proud of it. But I don't think Schultz wants to uh, do it again. I think for the next record, we're just going to uh, fly in a producer or something. But uh, it was, yeah, it was a very fun process because it's, um, when you're not working with a producer, uh, and you're doing it yourself. You, I think, you have a a lot more not no, no not more room for freedom because Paul Hull and uh, Rob, the uh, previous producers, also like uh, were pretty uh, open for experimentation and stuff. But 
um, now it felt like we had all the time and all the freedom in the world to like mess around. But on the other hand, you don't have anyone telling you like, okay, this is fine or this is shit. And uh, when you're doing it yourself, you you can make the mistake of like messing around too much and not like getting on with it. When there's no one there to tell you to stop. Yeah, or when there's like an outside party telling you like, this is cool or this is shit. Because uh, all five of us have been making music for like 10 years and you don't, yeah, you you don't work like that. It's, there's no outside party like producing it. And it can be nice to have like this, uh, yeah, other like pair of ears listening to your music. Let's play two of my personal favorite songs from Family Names. This is I Don't Want the World to Stop and The Bun from After Parties. I'm speaking to that group's lead singer, Nick Nellen, on Streets of Fire on broadcastamsterdam.nl.
loses, they win. And these are my friends, and we'll stick together again. 'Cause if this bar closes, they win. Let's just pretend this is a beginning, no end. To this lifetime spent hanging around, we'll stay connected throughout our lives. But if this bar closes, then we'll surely die. See each other again tonight and tomorrow, my friend, and we'll stick together again. But if this bar closes, they will.
the song the bun and am, am i saying that right it's b-u-u-n is it the the, the boon the bun yeah and not the bun the bun is a yeah a bun. okay so the boon <laughs> the, uh, the boon. boon pardon the boon <laughs> yeah 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 sure it's bite me it, it, it's a uh, a boon is a, um, a dutch or german word for a stage ah that song is a great piece of writing. You know, when a lot of songwriters get into that kind of descriptive storytelling in the lyrics, especially if the narrative takes place in the bar, as it does in the boon, uh, it gets into cliched territory so quickly. But the sentiment in that uh-huh. song is so kind and, and, and inviting it really is something different, and and it's a sentiment that that really uh, really hit me, gave me gave me the feels. I gotta say, as the kids say. Uh, so, what did you want to say to people with that song? Oh, that's very kind. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you think. Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. When we when we were writing the lyrics, it's like we don't want to make this edgy bar song like all these guys smoking and stuff like that. It's like been done a million times before. And um, I, we also didn't want to write the piano man, but it's basically yeah, like a piano man esque song. Um, but I think the, the song and the lyrics when we were writing, it also came like you said, from a very uh, sincere place or something like that <laughs> without sounding too cheesy uh, because it's about, um, the Bühne is a real place. It's a bar in in Horst, and uh, it's like one of these places that you, yeah, where you're like uh, spent the half half of your youth, and it's not only about the bar and it closing, but also like a part of like a chapter in your life that you're closing off. Like we used to hang in this place a lot, and now we aren't, and it's that's fine. But we look back at the time with a lot of like joy and. A uh, bit of melancholy, uh, but when we were writing the song, it was like uh, a, a dedication to the bar, like the boon, but also like our friend group and the the the, the times we like hang uh, hung there at till five o'clock drinking beers and then going home. Um, but it took on a new shape after we released the song because uh, the bar, um, the night we were supposed to film the music video there. Uh, the bar announced that they were closing down because COVID like hit them hard and uh, they were getting older, like the, the people owning the bar. And then that was pretty sad already. So we shot the music video, a part of the music video at the last night of the bar. So that was like a very happy and very sad evening. <laughs> a lot of people crying and stuff like that. And then a couple of weeks later, the, the owner of the bar died, uh, Mart. Uh, he was a very cool dude, very kind man, and he died, and it was super sad. And we played at, uh, yeah, not like at his funeral, but at like a last evening uh, for his friends and family, which was like a big honor that we, yeah, that his uh, his uh, his wife wanted us to do that, and shit was really sad. And um, it, yeah, the the song which started out is like this. Yeah, kind of like a uh, ballad uh, dedicating our <laughs> the the end of our youth and stuff like that turned into this whole different thing. And it was very sad and also pretty beautiful. Yeah, I think it says something that it's such a simple story, 
right? If you think of any song, if you think of that song as a story where it goes, you know, a, from A to B, mm-hmm. it's a moment of being in a bar, right? That's not exactly uh, the stuff of blockbusters. But somehow, <laughs> even if, you know, uh, first of all, that's incredible backstory uh, that that is really moving and and you know thanks for sharing that uh with with me and with the audience it's but it really is like you're you're just basically doing a a sort of uh what would they call it in hollywood a crane shot a sweeping shot of the bar you know one of my favorite lines in the song is you know that the the thing about you know uh the 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 your friends are in the front you know talking about business ideas that'll never happen because i've been it i've (laughs) I've witnessed that. That shit is so true. So, that, that's so true. That happens. And I'm like the biggest, biggest <laughs> culprit. I do that all the time. <laughs> we should like start a soup store where you rent a spoon. Shit will be fucking amazing. And then next day, uh, that's never going to happen. But uh, what you said about uh, like, uh, the bean, we've played it a bunch of times live, but not every show because not yeah, sometimes it just fits more, I think, and sometimes we have a shorter set. But it's always, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice song to play live. Like it all, it, a bunch of songs I play and I really enjoy, and a couple of songs you play and you really also like yourself. Like it gives you a certain feeling, and uh, Verbun, uh, I think, does that for like all of us. And you know, again, on the subject of songs that. <laughs> seem particularly poignant post-pandemic the song i don't want the world to stop did you have that title was that something that you came up with on the spot because i have to say your band has several great titles but that might be the best one that's such a great title and and a, a great song too um well balance bassin have a song i don't want this world to stop no, no, no. They have a song, I Want the World to Stop. So they're pretty negative. Mm. But they're from from Glasgow, I think. So it's a dreary place. It rains a lot. So started writing the album before the pandemic, actually. Um, and we were recording the first bunch of songs when the pandemic hit. I think like in February when it started. So I think I Don't Want the World to Stop might actually predate uh, the, the the corona, uh, the COVID uh, epidemic. So it's not actually directly related to uh, the pandemic. It's more like, uh, yeah, just uh, I got the the, uh, the idea for the song based on this um, cool book, uh, science fiction book I read, uh, where um, the moon gets like tidally locked with the earth, which means that the earth stops spinning because of like uh, the drag from the moon. But that shit will only happen like, way after the sun explodes so it'll never happen but i like the idea of like a world that like actually stopped and half of it is sun and half of it half of it is dark nick nellen's band after parties is performing at ojc genosh in aston on october 29th and schlacht house in harlem on november 18th and let's go out with one last after party song life is easy the title track from their second album 
This has been Streets of Fire on Broadcast Amsterdam or Bram. Check us out as a podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or stream the show live Friday afternoons from 1400 hours to 1500 hours Dutch time or on demand at broadcastamsterdam.nl. If you want to reach me directly, you can email me at streetsoffireradio at gmail.com. This is Jesse Lent. I'll be back next week. Until then, catch you in the crowd. Just collecting to help forget him The emptiness that brings him down Or this song has come around Their muscles form by Brussels prides and such And all the girls in front of me And the eastern wine it slowly fades I keep forgetting